Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christ Church of Orinoco. Our hope is that it would help you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Good morning, church. So open our Bibles to John 14. We're going to be looking at passages in John 14, 15, and 16 this morning. If you're visiting Christ Church, my name is Mark. I get the privilege of being one of the ministers here. We're glad you're with us. I want to catch everybody up to where we're going and where we've been so we understand where we're going and why we're doing this. Uh, Three years ago, we started a series through the Gospels, taking Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and just explaining the life of Jesus, walking through the details, and just enjoying that together. We follow that up with the series called Pathways, which is our verbiage for where we're going and following Jesus in discipleship, that he calls us to walk down a narrow path that very few are willing to walk. And that following Jesus is what discipleship is epitomized in Scripture. In fact, the most common expression of discipleship is the verb walk. To walk after Jesus, to follow him and to to take his leading and to go with him. And in the Pathway series, what we did was we defined that from Scripture and from research on human development, that the way we grow closer to God in our walk of discipleship is three basic areas. Knowing him understanding the revelation within the word of God of who God is and what he's doing. It's being with him in activities like prayer and solitude and silence and reflection. And then last week, Michael DeFazio brought us a a message on belonging to him, which is what we do in community when we live out our faith, uh, following through with what God has commanded us to become, and we can only become that together as a body. And so in this process, we're hoping that every single one of us defines where we are on our journey, that it really is your and my responsibility to look at where we're at and what we're doing and how we're responding to the presence of God. So whether you're someone just exploring Christ or discovering him more for yourself, or maybe you're drawing closer to him, or maybe you centered your life on Jesus and now you realize not only do you want more of him every day, but you want others to experience what you've experienced. Wherever you are, you're welcome here. Because we're going to help no matter where you are. If you're just exploring Christ to discovering him, we want to help you take those next steps, as Beth talked about. Because we're not just here to hold services on Sundays and Wednesdays and Thursday nights. We're actually here to help people find their completeness in who Jesus is and grow in that. So we began with the series on on, on who Jesus is, called the gospel. Then we went to a series on discipleship and the methods that we can use to grow closer to a God who's drawing close to us in pathways, and today, as you've already heard, we're starting a series called The Presence that's going to deal with the Holy Spirit. Now, for those that don't see the connection, I'm hoping to show you this morning that really a study of the gospel without a study of the Holy Spirit would only be going half the distance. And so how do we bring these together and grow in our faith? Uh, But I'm going to, I don't want to skew negative this morning. I've, I've read a lot about the Holy Spirit in the last six months, and a lot of it is we don't do this, and we don't do this, and we don't do this, and I don't want to do that. I actually don't want to skew negative, but I do want to begin by asking you to do something that will be a bit difficult, but I think it'll pay off in great reward. I hope in this series that you and I can suspend what we want to believe about the Spirit of God. Or I hope we can suspend what we don't want to believe about the Spirit of God. And I hope we can do what we did in the Gospels with the story of Jesus. Just let the Scriptures teach Let the scriptures say what they're going to say, and let's open ourselves up to what it says. Regardless of what you've learned in the past or what you want to be in your future, just experience the revelation of the Holy Spirit 
and see what God intended for us to get from this. In our seven weeks, we're gonna cover some basic elements in this series. I want you to know going in advance. We're gonna talk today about who the Holy Spirit is. We're gonna talk about what the Spirit does for us, does in us, and does through us. The Holy Spirit has a purpose, and that is to do those things. What he does for us, in us, and through us is part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then we're gonna talk about certain things like how do we receive him, how do we honor him, how do we grow in him, how do we respond to him? And this is what the series is gonna be about. If we can suspend what we want or don't want and just open ourselves up to the revelation, I think we're gonna receive the gift Jesus intended us to have from the very, very beginning and grow in the ways God designed us to grow. Now, I got good news for you. When Jesus said, follow him, remember, he also said, follow him, and then he left. And, it, and I'm, I'm very grateful that he didn't say, hey, follow me, and good luck. But he actually gave us what we need to do everything he's asked us to do. And the Holy Spirit is what he has given us to be able to follow him, to guide us and direct us and correct us and show us and inform us all the good things that he can do. The Holy Spirit is what he's given us for that. So we're going to call this series The Presence, and I'm going to show you why, because the presence of the Holy Spirit is a gift, and it's a gift that you and I can choose to receive or reject, but it is a gift nonetheless. So let's begin in John chapter 14. We're going to bounce a little bit through these chapters. I just want to highlight what Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, when his disciples were anxious, and he gathered them around his table, and he reminded them of his promises he gave them this great promise found throughout chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. Let's begin in John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Look at verse 25. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Let's go to chapter 15, verse 26. When the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. But you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. John chapter 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. Down to verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in to all truth. Jesus wanted his disciples to know, the first point I make this morning, the importance of the Holy Spirit's presence. This is not just my imagination. This is Jesus telling them that night of all the things he could have told them. In fact, he said, I got more to tell you. It's more than you can bear. But the, but the Spirit will come and teach you these truths. So Jesus highlights the importance of the Holy Spirit's presence. A.W. Tozer, in a treatment on the Holy Spirit, if I can paraphrase, has this wonderful illustration. He said, if this room were full and every chair was filled. People were standing in the back and on the sides and sitting down on the ground because they just wanted to be here. If we had nine services that filled an entire Sunday 
And we did this nine times. And on Thursday night, we did it four or five times. And there wasn't parking. And people were riding their bikes and walking to church because they just didn't want to miss it. And there was a big crowd and there was a lot of energy. And everybody was really gassed about everything going on here. And the Holy Spirit wasn't here. We're just a crowd amusing ourselves with no hope, no power, and no life. I think he's right. Like I said, I don't want to skew negative, but let me say this. There's a bunch of us who were raised fundamental Christians. We're kind of proud of that in America, and rightfully so. But there's a lot of us who think, oh, I don't need all this stuff, Mark. Just give me some Jesus. No, no, no. Because if all you got is some Jesus, you've misunderstood what Jesus wanted you to have. The same spirit that led Jesus is the spirit he offers you and I. Don't settle for less than what God intends for you to have. And so you, Jesus is enough. But Jesus will say that the spirit that I send is my spirit. Don't reject it because when you reject it, you reject him. And there's, I know that for some, and I have to pause right here because some will say, preacher, if you grew up in the church I grew up in or the church that I left because of what they did with this and this, you would be cautious. Yeah, I'm willing to be cautious, but I'm also willing to be led. Let's let the word speak. See what God does and trust the Lord, not man. Because then we grow and then we find life. The importance of the Spirit in the Old Testament is foreshadowed. In Zechariah chapter 4, not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. God is telling us how he's going to do this. His Spirit is going to guide us or we're not going to allow it to. But therein we find our life. In John chapter 16, one more time, Jesus said, but I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus was saying to a group of people that night who were fearful of him leaving them, that it is good that I leave you because then you will be no limitations of time or space. The spirit that has guided me will guide you. The power that we want to do what God asks us to do is not found in our own ability. It's not found in our own drive. It's not found in our own willpower. It's found in the Spirit's power. And we must open ourselves up to what God wants to fill us with. So let's get at this this morning. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible teach us about him? Well, in the Old Testament, he has several names. Spirit of God, Spirit of Yahweh, Holy Spirit. Jesus called him the Holy Spirit, the Counselor, the Spirit of Truth. In the remainder of the New Testament, he's called the spirit of holiness, the spirit of God, of the Lord, of Christ, of life. The Hebrew word for spirit found in the Old Testament is a word ruach. It's a word that means power, energy, and life. It's used in the book of Genesis when it said God breathed into Adam life and he came to life. It's used in the New Testament, the word is pneuma. It's the same core principle. The most fundamental form of both of these words in the Greek and the Hebrew means power, energy, and life. The breath of life of God in us. It's what separates you and I from the animals, the plants, and the other created things. We are made in the image of God with the spirit of God breathed into us. It's what gives us life. In Micah chapter 3, the prophet says, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, a power by which we live the life God's called us to live. Now, I don't want to skew negative, but, but I need to say this again, because I want to demythologize, I want to take the myth out of, that's a better word, <laughs> Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. 
And if you speak of the Holy Spirit as an it, you miss it. The Holy Spirit is not an emotional state or a reaction. I'm not making fun if that's what you believe it to be, but I want to tell you that so much more. It's not a thing. It's not an essence. The Holy Spirit is a person. Clearly a person. And let me explain. It's found in Scripture. It's a person, but not created. He's a person and a spirit. He has individuality, but he's one with God and Jesus. The Holy Spirit can hear, speak, desire, grieve, and rejoice. The Holy Spirit can communicate with you, be communicated with the Holy Spirit loves. Some people think of the Spirit of God as an influence or an essence, and they short sell what the scriptures actually teach. Psychologists and sociologists tell us that personhood, what makes a person a person, is three basic elements. Intellect, emotion, and will. Let me show you what the scriptures teach. The Holy Spirit possesses intellect. 1 Corinthians 2.11 For whom among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has intellect, has the ability to discern, knows knowledge, knows right from wrong, part of personhood. The Holy Spirit possesses emotions and feelings, Romans 15, 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Paul prays that through the love of the Spirit, the emotion, the compassion, the empathy, The Holy Spirit is not against us. The Holy Spirit is for us. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. It's our ally. The Holy Spirit doesn't come down and look at you and go, really? No, the Holy Spirit says there is so much in you that God has created. And if you allow the image of God to breathe in you and to grow you, then the spirit of the flesh and the world will be lost. And we will gain everything. And the Holy Spirit possesses will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The Holy Spirit is the one who gifts us. The Holy Spirit is the one who takes what God has given us and turns it into a benefit to everybody, not just ourselves. So if personhood is defined by intellect, emotion, and will, the scriptures show that the Holy Spirit is a person. But let's even go deeper. The Holy Spirit is God. The scriptures tell us this. Everything God does, the Holy Spirit does. God creates, the Holy Spirit creates. God performs miracles, the Holy Spirit performs miracles. The Holy Spirit is called God because he does the actions of God, and all the attributes of God are found in the Holy Spirit of God. And that's why when we look at just, I'm going to give you just a sampling this morning of the Holy Spirit as a gift to us given by Jesus from the Father, so that we can walk this walk of discipleship should not be considered for one moment of our lives optional. It should be our heart's passion. And I know if you're sitting here thinking, but I just want me Jesus, understand that to to receive Jesus is to receive the Holy Spirit. It all comes together when what we'll talk about in a week or so is when Jesus saves us, what does he give us as the security on our salvation? The presence of his Holy Spirit. Not an option, but a thing of beauty. So let's run through these. Let me tell you a little bit about the Holy Spirit we're studying. He has godly presence. To show he's God, he has the same presence God has. In Psalm 139, verse 7, just a sampling, it says, where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? The theologians call this omnipresence. It means all or it means everywhere. 
not limited by time or space. Jesus said in his incarnation, I need to leave in this physical form so that my spirit can be in all of you all the time. Jesus also said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, and then he left. You're like, whoa, wait, you said you'd never leave because his Holy Spirit would be his abiding presence in all of us. To receive Jesus is to receive the Spirit. He has godly power. This is what theologians would call omnipotence or all-powerful. In Job 26, verse 13, it says, by his spirit, he hath garnished the heavens. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because there's sometimes I see things and I go, what? In Genesis, it said, God created the heavens and the earth. In John chapter one, it said, Jesus created all things. In the Psalms, it says, the Holy Spirit created all things. So what's the right answer? Yes, is the right answer. God created, Jesus created, and the Holy Spirit created because they're not in opposition of one another. They're in union and unity together. And so together, they all created the heavens and earth. And they have no problem sharing, not a falsehood, but the truth. Jesus is like, my father created it. And God's like, no, Holy Spirit created it. And the Holy Spirit said, well, Jesus created it. And they're all right because of the power Verse, uh, Job 33, 4 says, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Who are you created by? Yes. The Holy Spirit, the Son, the Father. Because in their triune nature, three but one, they do this work of God together. You'd have no problem saying Jesus is God. You should have little problem with saying the Holy Spirit is God. He has godly knowledge. This is what theologians called omniscience or all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2.10, God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Now, I know I joke about this quite a bit, but I think it's one of the most amusing things about human nature is you and I don't even know ourselves very well, do we? Have you had a moment in your life where you did something and asked yourself, what were you doing? I mean, you kind of knew what action you took, but deep down inside, you were scared to ask yourself the question, why did I respond that way? I, I have no idea sometimes. I mean, I don't want to know is the truth why I do some of the things I do. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to delve into the why because the Holy Spirit knows why we do what we do. And the Holy Spirit can reveal it gently, and show us what we do. I know when I, when I pray about, God, why do I get so mad at my family? Why am I so short-tempered when I drive? Why, when someone boasts about themselves, do I want to drag them right back down to where they belong? And the Holy Spirit says to me, pride. And I know he's right. And I don't feel condemned. I feel challenged. If pride's your issue, Mark, deal with your pride. See, the Holy Spirit brings this knowledge to us. He, bring, he knows what's going on. One of my favorite psalms says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there's any wicked way in me, and then lead me in an everlasting way. This is one of the gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit is the ability to have a conversation with our soul about why are you so downcast? Why are you so upside down? And yet it does it without condemnation. The Holy Spirit does it with hope and purpose and redemption. The Holy Spirit has godly authority. When you hear the voice of the Spirit, you're hearing the voice of Jesus. Hebrews 3, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me, as in the days of trial in the wilderness. When you hear the voice of God, respond. 
Because the Spirit of God is speaking to you the words of God. And Jesus said it would reveal truth. It would make truth known. It would bring conviction and bring that understanding that we seek for when we gather around the Word and we want to hear the voice of God. It's the Holy Spirit that speaks through the Scriptures to us. He is called Lord. 2 Corinthians 3.17 Now the Lord is the Spirit. Jesus said, I'm going to send another counselor. And I'm told the better translation of that would be another counselor just like him. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to send you this new thing. We tried this and it didn't work. So now I'm going to send you this spirit thing. No, this has been the intention all along. Is that the spirit that led Jesus and through all the moments of his ministry and called him into these moments in the incarnation is the same spirit that will call us in our incarnation toward the promised land with all the power and all the insight and all the energy that the breath of life brings to us. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And in John 14, Jesus said, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And then he talks about the new counselor, just like him, that's going to come and reveal him to us. See, John 14.16, The Father will send another comforter, just like the first one, to you in my name, and he will abide with you forever. So I want to end this morning with this point. Because for many of you, I hope at this moment, because we have prayed over you, our elders have been praying, I've been praying, people have been praying, because we believe that many of us have stopped short, not not of being good people, we've stopped short of the journey that God's called us on. Because as long as we get me some Jesus and I'm saved... I don't need anything else. No, no, you've misunderstood. There is more to salvation than escaping death. It's learning how to live and experiencing this fully. And so how do you get this spirit? We're going to talk about the entry points and we're going to talk about all this in the next few weeks if you'll come. But what I really want to encourage you is if you want more of the spirit that Jesus offers you, if you want more of the guidance and the life and the energy that Jesus is offering you, then this last point is the one I want to resonate today. The Holy Spirit responds to our faith in Jesus. You want more of the Spirit? Get more of Jesus. Not just Jesus, but open yourself up to everything Jesus is offering you. Dig deep into his promises. Don't worry about what other people do that you don't agree with or or what you are a little bit nervous about doing yourself. You're not going to be doing cartwheels down the aisle. Everybody can relax. Get more of Jesus and you're going to get more of the Spirit. And the Spirit's going to guide you into more more of Jesus. It's going to take you into a depth of relationship that pathways is the goal. That the things on the pathways that draws us close to the God who draws close to us is going to be the joy of our life. It's going to be the the replenishing and the refreshment of who we become. Jesus said in John 16, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will bring glory to me by taking what is mine and making it known to you. Paul said to a church that was struggling with trying to do it on their own, the Galatian church. They were trying to aspire to accomplish by their own willpower. Paul corrected them and then he promised them this, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Not by works, but by trusting in the goodness of Jesus who offers us his Spirit. So, As I wrap up, I want you to think through some things we've addressed this morning. I can't bring him to you because he's already here. 
There is no incantation you and I do in worship that makes the Holy Spirit appear. He is with us. He abides in us by saving grace of Jesus. And he responds to our worship. He responds to our faith. He responds to our obedience and our trust. He knows how you're reacting to the truth of his being today. He knows for some of us this is nerve, nervous time. And he knows for others you're really excited. You really think, well, now, yeah, then I'd like to do this and this and this. Listen, we don't use the Spirit. The Spirit guides us. We open ourselves to his presence and we allow him to make himself manifest among us. It will happen in community. It will happen in beauty. It will be true and good and just and right. There's nothing to fear. And he knows right now, you can't lie to the Spirit because he knows all things. So we're going to learn to be honest with the Spirit. When we struggle, I've had some great conversations with God this weekend. It sounded a lot like this. I don't want to pray today. And I hear my father go, I know, you just prayed. I'm like, oh, that's good. It's a relationship. It's not a science, it's an art. And as we open ourselves up to him, I want you to know he is here among us right now. He knows your thoughts and minds and he loves you anyway. He's calling us to more. He's one with the Father and Son. There's no competition. Having one of them is having all of them. So we open ourselves up to all of them. He is all God and he exercises the rights of God. He merits our worship, our love, and our obedience. Will you open your lives to his presence? Will you engage your mind to listen to his still small voice? To slow the world down and say, there is a presence available to me in Jesus that will guide me toward life and deeper discipleship? Will you listen to his voice and choose to obey it in advance? Will you pray the prayer found in the Old Testament? Lord, here am I. Your servant is listening. And open your heart Open your eyes and your ears. Will you do what we talked about the last few weeks? Will you still work hard to create a time where you withdraw from the world and wait on the Lord? When you listen and watch for what he's doing and worship him in the midst of it? That's walking in the spirit. That's walking by faith. That's seeking in advance. There's a prayer that Paul prays over a church that was imperfect like us. And he prays this prayer in 2 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to pray this prayer over you this morning. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just take a moment. But as I offer you what Paul offered them, a prayer over them, as he concluded his letter, I would like you to respond. You have three ways to respond. One is do nothing. I can't control that. The other two is to offer you a good answer. When we are offered this in this prayer, you can respond one of two ways this morning. You can simply thank God if you've already received it or ask God for it if you don't know it. In other words, if this is something you want, say, yes, Father, please. And if it's something you already have, then say, thank you, Father, for your goodness. Here are the words that Paul prayed over the church that I'd like to pray over our church. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, his grace, And may the love of God, his loving kindness, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit, the presence, 
be with us all. Amen. Let's stand together. Thanks again for checking out this podcast. We hope this teaching helped you to discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. For more resources or to learn about Christ Church in general, visit us online at cco.church.